Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is appearing before the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee this Friday to explain recent changes in the way the Postal Service does business. There, he'll face questions about recent cuts to overtime and transportation costs. But the Postal Service has been cutting costs for years amid declining mail volumes in an effort to stem its long-term financial losses. For more on the agency's long-term financial picture, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with a former chairman at the USPS Board of Governors, David Feynman. I have a lot of trouble understanding why Congress, and now particularly the Senate, will not pass legislation eliminating the pre-funding requirement of the Postal Service. It was a mistake that was made when the legislation was passed in 2006, and now at least for at least 10 years, uh, the Postal Service has been asking that that requirement be eliminated. Every stakeholder in the postal community, and that includes the unions, have indicated that they are in support of having the pre-funding requirement eliminated, and it should be done immediately. How much leeway does the Postal Service have to right-size the agency and cut costs on its own? The last speech that I gave in 2005, when I left the Postal Service as its chairman, I talked about how they had to right-size, and we're not talking about individual post offices. What we're talking about is major plants. The best example of what was done correctly and then not utilized correctly is in Philadelphia, where you had the Postal Service plant was located on three floors in a building that had been built during the WPA across from the railroad station. And it was across from the railroad station because mail was delivered by railroad. It was inefficient and didn't work. For over 15 years, that plant had been the number one capital project to be done by the Postal Service and they couldn't get it through for various and sundry reasons. Eventually, it got built in a modern plant near to the airport and near to the major interstate highways. It's been underutilized. Why? Because it handles mail from the metropolitan Philadelphia area, but it should be handling mail from New Jersey, from Delaware, because it's located within a half-hour ride to Delaware, probably a 15-minute ride to South Jersey. That's the best example. And there are numerous places throughout the country where big plants could be consolidated. If you went to Cincinnati, Ohio, you looked over the river, you could see the one plant in Cincinnati, and you could watch another plant in Lexington, Kentucky. And because of parochial reasons, usually represented by the United States senators, from those various states, the Postal Service runs into roadblocks in doing it. They don't need the senators to agree. They just have to do it. And that is how they can right-size. And with that, you might have some attrition of workers, but you're going to have a much more efficient operation. Right, and you mentioned the workforce, and that segues into my next question. We've seen the Postal Service seek early retirements of non-union postal employees. From your perspective, what kind of latitude does that give the Postal Service in terms of cutting costs? And from your perspective, is that the right way to go about cutting costs? It's the easy target always 
and I've seen it over so many years. I joined the board in 1995. The then Postmaster General would constantly talk about how the unionized workforce was overpaid. I would say to him, they might be overpaid in a small town in Tennessee where you're from, but they're not overpaid in Philadelphia, in New York, Washington, D.C. It was always an easy target. And it's going to be difficult to cut that unionized workforce as you continue to expand in the country. And if we're going to continue to have universal service six days a week and we continue to expand, you put on a million new households, we've got to deliver the mail to them. That's going to be done usually by individuals. It's going to be very difficult to move that workforce in any meaningful way. You had mentioned the Postal Service's universal service obligation to deliver mail six days a week, and I know that right before the pandemic, that was still a conversation of what level of service the Postal Service should continue to provide, given its longstanding financial problems. From your perspective, do you see that as something that postal stakeholders should continue to look at? It's been a non-starter in Congress, basically, because the rural representatives have stood up in force and said, we want mail to be delivered six days a week. In some place around 2004, I testified that we should study six-day-a-week mail. I can remember sitting at the table testifying and then being berated by a Republican congressman. I remember saying, congressman, I only ask that it be studied. So there's been a clear message from Congress and they've passed legislation that the Postal Service has to deliver mail six days a week. I personally think that you certainly could find places where you could deliver five days a week. The large businesses, they don't need mail to be delivered five days a week. Uh, my law office, nobody's there on Saturday, and there's no reason for mail to come on Saturday. So I think you could work for it, but I, I just don't know if, if it's worth the effort considering how Congress has acted previously. Changing gears here, I know that there's been a lot of concern about the Postal Service's capacity to deliver an unprecedented volume of mail-in ballots for this upcoming November election. Now, of course, the Postal Service has a lot of experience with mail-in ballots, but just given the scope of the challenges that they're facing right now, what do you make of the Postal Service's ability to deliver ballots in this upcoming election? It has the resources from a procedural standpoint, it can get it done. It might need extra funding to get it done. I mean, if Congress is going to bail out you know, airlines and they're going to bail out multinational corporations, there is no more fundamental right that Americans have but to vote. It's a fundamental right that Americans have. And if we're in the middle of a pandemic, why won't the government allocate some money to the Postal Service so that we can have a fair election in which people don't put their lives at danger. If you stand in a line forever, sometimes even wearing a mask, there's an opportunity to be inflicted with this virus, which is now killed. We're moving on 170,000 people in the United States. If you're an older person, how would you feel about going out to vote and standing in line? So we have to ensure that there's a fair election. And I, quite frankly, don't understand the position of the Postal Service 
leave aside the position of the administration. The Postal Service should be going to Congress and going to the administration and saying, we want to help ensure that there's a fair election, and we're going to need some extra money to do it. You've got to help us do that. I can't seem to understand why they are not doing it. If I was chairman of the Board of Governors of the Postal Service and I came from Kentucky, which this chairman did, I would be at Senator McConnell's office every day saying, look, Senator, we can help, but we do need a little bit of extra money. You've got to help do this because that's the right thing to do. And it's beyond me to understand why that isn't being done in a concerted fashion. That's David Feynman, former chairman of the USPS Board of Governors, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Subscribe to The Federal Drive on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.